Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 98 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, and I'm coming to you from the great state of Texas. Today, we have joining us again in my little podcasting studio, Matthew, and he is going to chit-chat about some of the things that he is doing today as an almost 18-year-old and how growing up in the outdoors and hunting and camping, how that has all translated into who he is today. So welcome back, Matthew. Hello. Thank you. So share with us um, what it was like being that kid who always got to get pulled from school on a Friday, leaving before sunup and going somewhere across Texas to go on a hunt. Um, well, it was definitely a cool experience um, being able to do all that, showing my friends the pictures of the game I've harvested over the weekend. Um so, I mean, that's always been a fun experience, being able to do all that stuff. Uh, my dad being a game warden, my mom being a Texas Parks and Wildlife Hunter Education teacher. So, I'm always involved with that. Um, so, I mean, it's just kind of shaped me with who I am today, um, with wrestling gators in the front yard and everything. So I was just going to go there. So, one of my favorite stories is when you guys were in preschool, in daycare school, and the teacher always said, if you ever have an alligator, we would love to bring it to school so you can show and tell the students. And so, you know, John, of course, being now he's a retired game warden, he was always having to move alligators. They'd crawl up onto people's driveways, you know, of course, living in Houston in the Bayou City, when we get a good rain, the gators are always crawling up, you know, coming onto people's driveways. So he'd always get those phone calls, you know, and he'd have to go move them and then he'd relocate them back into the water. And sometimes if he got a manageable sized gator, he would bring it home and he'd tape up the mouth and tape up their little hands behind their back. And he would let the kids hold it and they'd get used to handling, you know, the alligator before he turned it loose. So we always had that standing invitation to school if we ever got one to bring it and the kids would get to do a show and tell. And sure enough, one day John brought one home early in the morning before they went off to school and we'd put it in a little um, a pet carrier and Matthew and Dominic, our oldest, were fighting over who got to carry the alligator to the car. Do you remember that? 
Kind of. It was a while back. Yeah, yeah, you were probably three and Dominic was probably four. And they were literally in my front yard at what, seven o'clock in the morning, screaming at the top of their lungs, I get to carry the alligator. No, I get to carry the back and forth, fighting over this pet carrier, crying over who gets to hold the alligator. And our neighbors actually came outside and were just laughing, saying, you know, this conversation didn't even phase us because we just know what to expect living next door to the Rayos. There's always some kind of adventure or some kind of crazy animal wildlife story. But who fights over an alligator at seven o'clock in the morning on the way to school? Um, I guess we do. Yeah. So that was that was always my favorite story growing up when you guys were fighting over the baby gator. So what else did you do growing up um, that really stuck with you and you carry it with you today? Um, well, uh, definitely um, firearm safety, um, ethical game hunting, everything like that, just growing up around it. Um, I now work at a, a gun range as an RSO. I'm certified in shotgun, rifle, and pistol instructor and RSO for the NRA classes. Um, and I now work at uh, Bailey's House of Guns um, down in... Houston, southern area of Houston, um, an IRSO there for uh, long rifles, pistols, I mean, you name it, people bring in everything there, and um, you see all sorts of crazy things, um, you learn a lot of things there, um, but yes, I still apply everything that I've learned from whenever I was a little kid, don't um, keep your finger off the trigger until you're ready to fire, all that, I keep that with me today, and I apply it on the range now, and I make sure everyone's safe doing it. So that's awesome that you get to put those skills to the test and you're definitely in your comfort zone. You can always tell the people who are really comfortable around firearms, who've grown up around firearms, because they just know how to handle them without even thinking about it. It's just second nature that their muzzles always pointed in a safe direction when they're not even looking at it. They, they just have it in a safe direction. Their fingers, you know, indexed off the trigger. And Matthew, you apply that, like you said, working at, at the gun range. So what have you seen working there? Give me some stories, good and bad. Um, give me some stories that you've seen and how you maybe have helped people or how you've maybe suggested that people be a little bit safer. Because is it true that you don't know what you don't know? So with today's society, so many people are buying guns now and they're not necessarily getting the training that they should right off the bat so a lot of people just don't know how to be safe with firearms yeah so um, i definitely have a lot of stories um good and bad i mean i do see a lot of good um people out there um with like long rifles pistols everything they actually teach me a lot of things about their firearm or things in general that i didn't know um but there are also there are also a lot of um bad things that happen out there too, which is what I'm there for to make sure everyone's safe is some of the stories, I mean, people come up to the range with their firearm fully loaded, um, one in the chamber, safety off, and they're swinging it around. So a lot of times you have to look out for that, make sure that their um magazines are empty and their uh action is open. Um, whenever I'm downrange, I mean this happens every now and then. You'll see someone fumbling with their gear at the table, which is kind of scary because I mean you're downrange and someone's kind of pointing a gun in your direction. But I mean... What's the rule on that? Why don't you share what, what the standing rule is if anytime you call a ceasefire or a cold range, what's, what's the rule supposed to be? 
So the rules are you open your action, you empty the magazine, make sure all your cartridges are out of your round, and then you step behind this red line that is painted on the cement uh, on the ground, and you just stand back and you let the RSOs and the workers go down there. We'll change your targets. Um, we'll uh, do anything you ask, put up new targets. And um, so, yeah, you're supposed to stay back. Just don't touch your firearm while anyone's downrange. And so a lot of times, whenever both RSOs are occupied, um, not really looking at the people, we'll both be down there changing targets. You'll normally have one earplug out just to be listening for everything behind you so that you're aware. And you'll have um, some people that'll grab the firearm, start messing with it, seeing if it's open or whatever. And um, you'll have to turn around, just remind them to back up um, because nobody wants to be in that situation where you're downrange and someone is um, messing with the firearm that they're not really familiar with on the other end of the table so yeah and you also see a lot of people that um don't know how to work their newly bought firearm i mean people come out with these ar-15s and have no idea how to work it they'll come out with no scopes nothing none of that but i mean that's what we're there for is to help i mean we don't criticize them we um we guide them into getting the right tools needed for their firearm because i mean you can't just buy one and go to the range i mean you there's some things there's some more steps that have to be taken in order to have fun with your firearms. So we go in there and um, we'll guide them. We'll help them. We'll sit down with them, teach them how to shoot. We'll um, we'll do all of that. And so we're not there to really criticize anyone. Um, we're there to help teach them, learn them, help them learn. Um, just make sure everyone's safe. What is the reaction of the public when they're coming? Do you see that most of them are looking for help or sometimes do they have an attitude like, who are you trying to teach me about guns? But do a lot of times, do they seek that help and guidance? Yes and no. You'll get a lot of new shooters, especially women, that um, go out there. And a lot of times they want to buy a firearm for self-defense. And they don't really want to, or a lot of times a woman will admit it, that they don't know what they're doing. But sometimes the men won't really want to completely like admit it, the younger ones. And so... They'll kind of give you that look of like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Can you kind of help? And so we'll uh, we'll go up to them and be like, do you need help with anything? And of course, they'll say, yeah. And then we begin to help them. But then you get those other few that go out there um, with their Glock or something. It's jamming up and everything. And they just do not want help for anything. And so you go over there. They run you off. And so you just keep an eye on them, making sure they're safe. Because, I mean, they don't want your help. They don't want it. So you just got to watch them. Make sure that they're not doing anything they shouldn't be doing. So, yeah. Have you ever had to kick somebody off the range? Nope. Um, we normally, um, people are normally nice down there. I mean, it's, you get warnings and stuff. I mean, yeah, people have done things that violated the rules without knowing because it's not like they intend to, but you just remind them of the safety rules. Um, so, no, I've not seen that yet of kicking anyone off. Normally, if they don't want your help, you just kind of back off. Most of the time, nine, nine times out of ten, they will want your help. So it's not the range. You don't see a lot of bad people out there looking to start a fight. I mean, you just see a lot of people just trying to practice their skills, have fun. So that's what we're there for. Have you noticed being grown up in this world of firearms and hunting and you know recreational shooting? Have you noticed that it's just a community of of good people overall? Yeah, um, you definitely see that. I mean, we have people that go out to the range every single day, the same day of the week. So you know about a good forty, fifty percent of the people there. I mean. You just see them and you know them. I mean, a lot of times you'll have a good conversation with them. And then you get um, other people they didn't really see so often. But I mean, still, I mean, you just have good conversations with them. They tell you a lot about their background, their grew, uh, how they grew up. I mean, I talked to one guy. He's pretty cool. I mean, he 
he shot perfect. I mean, his stance, how he was holding the gun. I mean, I think he had his fiance or wife or girlfriend, whatever she was to him. She was there and he was helping her. And I was just kind of listening. And I mean, it was exactly like uh, what you teach in your NRA classes. I mean, how to keep your finger off the trigger, a safe way of holding it. And I was kind of amazed because, I mean, it's rare that you see someone that perfected within. So I went up and asked. I was like, I mean, how did you grow up? Like, And he's like, oh, my dad was like um, a Navy SEAL. And he taught me all this. Um, he taught me, the first thing he taught me was safe gun handling. So, I mean, um, and the his wife, I think her father was in the military too. And they all took those NRA classes. And so they were all extremely skilled in that. I mean, it's just. The conversations you have with people are really cool. They'll tell you, you get a lot of older people that served in wars and stuff and they'll take out their firearms that they were shooting in the Vietnam War or whatever. It, it's just cool learning about the background of firearms and people. And so, I mean, yeah, most of nine times out of 10, yeah, people are just real nice and they'll have a good conversation with you. So when you said you see some of those repeaters come into the range, do you start looking at somebody and going, oh, that's a, you know, that's a 270 guy or that's a, you know, a 223 guy or that's a Glock this this or that. I mean, do you start identifying people by the guns that they shoot? No, I mean, you you just slowly um learn like who they are by face. I mean, every day they mostly shoot something different and there's something wrong with one of their guns and they'll just rotate them out. But you start um one of my older coworkers, he's been there a lot longer than I have. I mean, he just starts nicknaming people just by the stories they tell him. I mean, he calls one the fireman because he can't remember the names, he just remembers the stories they tell him. So one guy that goes out there every Sunday used to be a volunteer firefighter, something like that. So, I mean, we just call him the fireman. That's awesome. Um, so do you see yourself doing something in the world of firearms as you graduate college and go into the working world? Or is this going to be more of a hobby for you, do you think? A little bit of both. I mean, I plan on um, shooting definitely, most definitely after high school, college, in the adult world. I mean, I want to kind of uh, venture off into the medical field um, in the future. So, I mean, really working-wise, probably not. But, I mean, definitely I will stick around and hunting, all of that, um, working on the range. I mean, I plan to stay on that gun range as long as I can. Um, whenever I'm back in town from college, I'd like to work there a couple of days out of the week. So, um, yeah, I mean, firearms will definitely stay in my life. Working-wise, I don't think I'll get paid to do it, more just for fun. Right. Yeah, so um, growing up in this, you know, the environment that you were in, having both of your parents so submerged with firearms and firearm safety and handling, um, a lot of life skills come out of that, right? You learn to be responsible. You learn about, you know, confidence. You learn about, you know, respect. Um, what are some of the takeaways that you've learned growing up the way you did? Um, Definitely becoming more responsible. I mean, knowing what you have, how much of something that you have. I mean, it's just all of that. Um, you're just becoming more responsible, knowing what you're doing. You become more confident talking with people um, about the rules um, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, it just helps you grow up more, learning that things are dangerous in this world. But, I mean, in the right hands, I mean, you're definitely all right. That's good. So I know you made a couple references that um, you're going to go away to college. So tell me what those plans are like, you know, in the next couple months when you're wrapping up your high school days and we're looking towards May for your graduation. What are some of your big plans 
in May. Um, well, hopefully I'm choosing a college soon, whether that be Texas A&M, um, Arkansas for the Razorbacks, or Texas Tech, one of those three for the medical field. Um, I hope on choosing that soon. And um, uh, in May, we have the NRA convention coming down to Houston, so my family and I will be taking a big part in that, being down there all week. And um, right after that, we head off into Wyoming and Montana for um, our yearly trip to Yellowstone. We get to see a lot of wildlife, how it was before civilization, really. And uh, that's always going to be the fun part. I don't really have football this summer because I'm out of it. But I mean, just stuff like that. So I'll make sure to keep myself occupied this summer. Yeah, because you've missed our last three trips to Yellowstone. Yep. Football um, really took up a lot of my time. And so now that I'm done with that, I mean... It's time to start keeping busy still. So all this talk about you moving forward and growing and spreading your wings, what are some of the things that you're going to miss not being around Casa de Rayo every single day? Um, well, I'm definitely going to miss the um the dogs. That's going to be one thing. I mean, I might pick up a dog in college. Don't know yet. Um being around the family and um, you doing my laundry. I mean, I'm going to miss all that. So, Yeah, yeah, and all the chores that we have around the house, right? Yep, going to miss that. Now you have to do it yourself. Yep. So the dogs, why, how are you going to miss those dogs? There's five of them right now, and there's no quiet time at our house right now. So do you notice, like, if you go somewhere and it's really quiet, is it really weird to go somewhere that's really quiet? Yeah, it's a little too weird. I don't know if I'd like it. That's why I'd have to get a loud dog. Yeah. You know, keep something in the house going crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's too weird being quiet. Yeah, yeah. So somebody told me one time that my life is chaos. Is that true? Yes. Because chaos isn't always a bad thing. Chaos can be a, a good thing, I guess. Yeah. Would you say our life is chaos? Yeah, in a good way, though. It keeps us busy. Yeah. It keeps us from being bored. Yeah. There's no downtime in our in our daily routine. Nope. What time does our day start? About 4.30 when the coffee goes off. And then the coffee goes off and it triggers what? All the dogs start howling. Yeah. 4.30 in the morning. So. Yep. They And one triggers the next, triggers the next, and all five of them get to go. Get to go. Yep. <laughs> and so after we let them out, then it's playtime. Yep. Until about 8 o'clock. And then they all crash. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Until you guys get home from school. So what are some of your parting words and your suggestions for those people that are maybe just getting into the outdoors? Or what are some words of encouragement to get them to stay into the outdoors? Um. Well, definitely be open to learning. There's people always out there that want to help you, um, whether that be shooting, hunting skills, everything in the outdoors. There, There's so many kind people out there that are just willing to help and give their time to make you better with your uh, proficiency and skills. So um, just be open to that. Um, yeah, I mean, just being open will get you a long way. What about getting more people outdoors? Do you have any friends that think need some outdoor therapy? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, if you ever go to the gun range, bring a buddy along. I mean, get more people into it. Because the more people that are into it, I mean, the better we're left off. I mean, 
It's a great community. That's right. That's right. So that being said, there obviously is no better classroom than the outdoors, roaming the woods and waters and creating memories that will last a lifetime. This is Heidi Rayo and... I'm Matthew Rayo. And you've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. Have a great day. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.